Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining us. Disrupt the status flow. Now, you can read articles and blogs, go to any technology company, watch a video. They all talk about disruption, but it's typically in reference to a technology company, if you will. Think about Apple disrupting the phone industry or the music industry, Uber, the taxi and limo business, Tesla, traditional automobile business. You get the idea. But have you ever thought about disrupting yourself and the way you operate? Well, today at the cafe, we're going to speak with Chris King, president and CEO of Status Flow, to talk about the benefits to disrupting your flow. Now, hang on. We'll be right back to explain what the heck we're talking about. You really don't want to miss this. A chief marketing officer has both the power and the responsibility to drive long-term strategic growth that can ultimately lead to organizational prosperity. And that growth starts with a vision. What is your firm's definition of success? growth? How will you strategically work towards expansion, for example? Equally important, what is your customer's perception of your firm? And how well do you meet a need or deliver value? When you begin to align your vision with that of your customer, you build a stronger, lasting relationship with them. You see the whole picture, realizing the lifetime value of that customer, as well as the lifetime value you provide. A CMO must look at success with a strategic mindset, looking beyond the transactional. The CMO must understand the customer journey, utilizing the competitive intelligence, embracing and leveraging your unique market insights. If your business is ready for growth and you need a CMO, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, I'd welcome the opportunity to explore the benefits of using a fractional CMO. Visit theponzagroup.com to learn more. As I mentioned, I'm joined by Chris King, President and CEO of Status Flow, and we're going to talk about how disrupting your flow can get you five days of work done in just one day. Uh, personally, I would love that. And he says, all by working fewer hours and dropping your stress levels to almost zero. Man, I could really use that. So stay tuned. Here we go. Chris, welcome. And I have to say, man, sign me up. Status Flow, baby. I, I'm really excited about this. You know, you talk about on your website, you equate it to the feelings of runner's high or in the zone. And I, and I remember years ago, I will say years ago, because my wife will say it certainly wasn't yesterday, that I used to jog like five miles. I mean, that was like my early days when I had no money. That was my entertainment. <laughs> and, I, and I did hit that runner's high. I mean, I would go out and I would have no idea what I just did. It was, it was euphoric. And I've tried to recapture it a few times, but uh, running with a donut in your hand doesn't quite work. <laughs> so, so what I really want to do then is, I guess my question is this, what the hell is flow? Right. That's th thank you for having me. And I, I can relate. Um, the flow essentially is, is an optimal state of consciousness where you feel your best and you perform your best. You know, you, you mentioned it, you know, being in the zone, runners high. There, there are any number of names for this. Basketball players call it going unconscious. It's a deep, deep connection to what you're doing. And uh, and in that space, there, there's no other feeling like it. It's what we call a, a, an autotelic experience. You will, you will do it just for the sake of doing it. 
You know, um, I, 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 one of my sons is really into meditation and stuff, you know, and he'll sit me down and say, let's meditate. And, you know, he's uh, he's there and I'm watching him, which I shouldn't be. Right. I got one eye open thinking <laughs> I, I just I just can't get there. So, I mean, it but but this is a transformation. I mean, it's not like I'm going to open up a, a software program and I'm going to learn it. And that's the end of it. I mean, this is truly, if I understand it correctly, a kind of a life change in a, in a different way from a, a yeah, well, a life perspective and how to live your life. Too many lights yeah, there, but yeah. It it really is flow flow is much more of a lifestyle than it is a thing. It's 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 the result of setting conditions in your business, in your life, anywhere in your world to create that kind of environment that is conducive to flow states. Uh and, and so that's what we say is that you know, even even trying to get into flow is, is gonna keep you out of it. Um because there's no there is no sense of self in flow. You've you've experienced this when you were working on something. I mean, you know, think of a college midterm or, or anything in your professional life when it felt like 20 minutes went by and you looked up three hours had passed and you had this amazing work product in front of you. That's a low level flow state. And and this is where real innovation comes from. This is where creativity really comes from. This is where performance and effectiveness really come from. Okay. So where, where did you come up with? I mean, this this isn't something you totally invented, but obviously it's your company status flow. And so, so how did you what sparked this concept? What sparked you to move away from what you were doing before this to to really pursue this as a career? Well, I learned very quickly. I was way too lazy to work for somebody else. So that was really it was either this or I was going to starve to death, you know. <laughs> but but I, I actually have a, a long history with flow and that dating back before I, I knew what that was. Um, you know, I grew up in uh, in the west side of L.A., you know, Venice area, Lords of Dogtown, skateboards, BMX bikes, that kind of stuff. I was a I was an ice hockey player in college and I uh, my father trained me to race cars when I was a kid. So I had a, an intimate relationship with flow. And I knew what that was, and it was wasn't until later um, that uh, I, you know, I, I I did my education in, in spiritual psychology, and I was working in the neuroscience institute of a hospital at the time, and and it wasn't until I started uh, really collaborating with the with an organization called the Flow Research Collective. I did a lot of training there, and and I learned so much more about uh, flow and what this is, and it kind of put everything together for me. It was like, oh, so that's what was going on with me. Cool. Now I know. And I, uh, you know, the the other component is there's a, there's a lot of psychology involved, and and I. I had the opportunity a few times in my life to sort of decode and recode my entire internal world. And, and when I, when I learned how to do that, I realized we could make the impossible become a reality. And so now I'm dedicated to, to helping others do the exact same thing whatever that crazy idea you have, you can make that happen. And, uh, and if you think your crazy idea is just too crazy, well, I live in a town where people pay 20 plus dollars for avocado toast and there's nothing crazier than that. So you can make it happen. <laughs> I remember when I, when I first came to California and my sister uh, lived in Santa Monica and she took me out to a, an, a Mexican restaurant and uh, where I grew up, there just really wasn't any Mexican restaurants. And so I ordered a salad and this green <laughs> stuff. I was like, oh, right. shit. I just said shit <laughs> was sitting on top of my salad. And I looked at her, what the hell is this stuff? Right. So um, and she politely told me that probably cost an extra two or three dollars to have that good thing <laughs> on top there. But, but I've actually grown to love it now after all these years. And I want to keep digging in this a little bit, but one of the things you, you say on your website that, you know, if you can get into flow, you know, you can take 
five days worth of work and, and accomplish it in one day or or really dropping stress by working fewer, fewer hours. And, and I want to crack that secret because um, I work for myself as well. And in seven days a week, you know, I'm always seem to be sitting at my desk. And so I need to figure this out. So so how I know we're not going to get into the entire process, but kind of give me a perspective of, of how you work with a client to help them achieve this. Yeah. So essentially what we're dealing with with any person, and, and you may not believe this and you may doubt it even about yourself, but the reality is that everybody is actually a high performance machine. You're hardwired for high performance. The problem is that, you know, it's it's like like you're a Ferrari. Uh, most most executives, most business owners, they are that same Ferrari. The problem is that they have like a giant caravan hitched up to the back of it. And so it just doesn't quite perform the way mm -hmm. it would without all of that extra weight. So the first thing we need to do is we need to start stripping things down because when there's a difference between being uh, efficient and being effective. You know, because you can be very busy and really get nothing of importance done. And so it's learning how to filter through these things. What really moves the needle? How uh, how do we make the impact and how do we filter through so that all the stuff that, you know, tries to, to jump on our radar, all the stuff that pe other people want to load us up with? How do we keep that off so we can keep moving at speed? Um, it's not easy. And, and a lot of this work is counterintuitive. Mm -hmm. But if you can do it, that's how you get the kind of performance that you're looking for. Is that a little bit like uh, go back to Covey and he talks about, you know, working on and versus in your business and looking at distractions and things like that? I mean, I, I talk a lot to to my clients and to prospective clients and is about spending time really focusing on the business. And I would think this is a, a, a great area that business leaders really need because the distractions are crazy, especially if you've got a lot of employees and, you know, the phones are ringing and the emails are popping in to get sidetracked on, on really trying to achieve that efficiency. Cause I, yeah, I think, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, I was going to say the, the, the thing is the first thing we got to do is we got to look at how empowered are we and are we in a real place of accountability and ownership? Because the reality is we don't get distracted. We allow ourselves to be distracted and that's Good a different point. thing, right? Good point. Yeah. So, so one of the things we'll do, you know, going into an organization, uh, you know, with, uh, with my associate is we will literally change the way people speak because like Nietzsche said, the culture is in the language. And so when we say things like, I can't afford it, I didn't have time, I forgot, the client didn't get back to me. All of this is indicative uh, indicative of an external uh, locus of control, right? It's, this is outside of us. We have no response. I didn't have time. Time is something you have or have not. Well, people that look through that lens, time, money, have or have not, tend to have not, right? When we put ourselves in a position of empowerment, I chose to spend my time elsewhere. I prioritized other things. You know, I can't afford it becomes I didn't budget for that, right? It puts us back in the driver's seat, and only from that position can you navigate anything. It's a little bit of the glass half empty, half full kind of. Yeah, bit. what we say is, uh, you know, how you relate to the issue is the issue. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, we, we might get called in to work for uh, an organization that might, one of their issues might be we're having employee retention problems. Well, that's not the problem. That's the result of the problem, right? So we need to dig under the hood a little bit more. 
Okay. Do you work typically with with senior leadership and and the kind of the C-suite team? I mean, where where do you focus when it comes to like the issue you just said? We got a customer retention problem. We got uh, one of my clients. I remember when I first started working with them, the sales and marketing department. Surprise, we're fighting. And and I remember <laughs> just trying to get them all in a room and and trying to sort out what was going on. And I remember. Right, wrong, or indifferent, what I said to them during the meeting is, look, at we've all got to play in this sandbox together. We have yeah. to build this this house. But the first thing we're going to do is we're going to get the cat turds out. Right. And, that got <laughs> him, and that got them to laugh a little bit. And then over time, I could start to see that it literally boiled down to two people that were causing all this disruption. And I worked with them individually to try to understand. What they didn't understand is what the other's responsibilities were. They thought they were like, you know, you know, you work for me. No, you work for me is one of those kinds of simple things. What do you think when you when you deal with a client and, and just in general for the listeners today? I mean, what's what do you think the the most misunderstood thing is about what you do about flow in the process? Wow, that's a great question. The most misunderstood thing. I, I think the, fo- the the most misunderstood thing is kind of what I what I alluded to earlier is that th- this is not exclusive to a certain kind of person or a type of person. Anybody with, you know, to the best of the, the, the research that I've done, uh, who has a biologically normal brain can is hardwired for flow and, and they can they can literally take five days of work and squish it into a day. And they can do that by reducing their stress, overwhelm, and burnout. So I'd say that's that's the biggest myth is that, oh, I can't do it. It's for other people. Is it is it a little bit, I was, I was I made a joke earlier about my son in meditation, but I mean, it's, I personally, you know, it's like, I get it. I've been there before, breathing exercises and all that. But fundamentally for me, it's, it's a concept that's like, yeah, I just can't see myself sitting, you know, and cross-legged and and you know, mm, but right. right, but but is it is it that is getting people to accept that that there there is a the, the value to this process regardless of what they think or how they feel about about the process? Does that makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think you know, in in the case of meditation, it's really about awareness, you know, and and you know, I can't meditate that kind of thing. It's like, look, you know, I love the quote: if 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 you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them, right? So, um, it, it is about being willing to. What the, my my favorite analogy is is um is learning how to swim. If you want to learn how to swim, you you have to let go of the comfort and the familiar and the safe side of the pool. Right. And it feels weird. You let go of that pool and you start paddling and it's you got your face in this thing that you told you or your whole life that was going to kill you. You could drown in it. And it, it feels weird. You're no longer on solid ground. It's an awkward environment. It's very uh, uncomfortable. And if you really want to learn how to swim, you're going to have to let go of the side of the pool. OK. What how long is it a, a typical uh, I'll call it engagement with you? I mean, how long does that take for people to get? I mean, do you say it's going to take you 30 days or it's going to take you two weeks or it's just kind of ongoing until you get there, which could be great for business. But um, so how, how when people engage with you, what how do you set up their expectations? Yeah, great question. And and I'll answer it the way a lawyer might. It depends, you know, <laughs> so us marketing guys say that, too. <laughs> right. It's um, you know, it, it depends on the engagement. Is this a one on one thing or are we working with a team uh, and, and what are the deliverables? What are they looking for? Uh, you know, typically it, it's going to take 
no less than six months most of the time because we are dealing, everybody has an operating system in their head, just like a phone or a computer has an operating system, so does an individual. And that operating system was written by that individual by about the time they were six years old. And that system is, uh, and we call it a belief system, by the way, uh, but that system is generating the the entire reality that somebody's experiencing. And so essentially, if somebody asks me what I do for a living, I'm a systems hacker. You know, Instead of hacking and optimizing a computer, I'm doing it with a person. We need to hack and optimize that system to produce a certain kind of result. Now, that system's been running your age minus six years. It's just not going to change overnight. That's not the way it works. So we, we usually have a minimum six-month engagement for one-on-one. -on -one. They'll usually extend out anywhere from another six to 12 months beyond that, depending on what the individual's dealing with. With an organization, it's a function of what do they want? You know, what is, what is the deliverable that you're looking for? And that could be anywhere from three months to nine months to a year and a half, whatever. And that could depend on the specific problem, like you were saying earlier, um, employee retention and what you're trying to solve for. Yeah, yeah, that's, um, you know, my favorite example of a flow state in action is, um, you know, imagine that, the, that the, the United States government calls you up and says, okay, we need you to, to do something that we know you don't know how to do. We're not going to give you a whole lot of money to do it. We're not going to give you any physical space in which to do it. And we need you to do it in 180 days. And then imagine that you actually pull it off 37 days ahead of schedule. Well, that's exactly what happened in 1943 when the War Department contacted Lockheed and said, we need a jet fighter to win the war. Lockheed didn't know how to do it, but they figured it out and delivered it 37 days ahead of schedule because they set up an organization that was rich with flow triggers. They didn't know this at the time, but that's, that's a, uh, what they had done. And that's where they got the innovation and that's where they got the speed. Uh, that's really interesting. A any more examples like that? Because I, I actually, my next question was, tell me some success stories and any, any others that, that, that are industry related. And then I, I'd like to hear about one of yours. Yeah, well, I'll tell you one of my, my backgrounds in tech. I came up in tech through the late 90s and in, into the 2000s. And I was working with uh, what at the time was one of the largest uh, tech distributors in, in, in the world, actually. And um, they had, I think, I think at the time there were a staff of 1,500 people in this uh, one area. And we were charged with working with six of them. And they had a very niche little pocket as for sort of like a little company within the company. And they said we need to we we need to kind of blow up this uh, this product line here. And uh, at the time, it was uh, the the computer telephony integration group, little little pocket of tech people. Um, well, and and they were selling through product at something like you know twenty thousand dollars a month, and and they they needed this to be a success. And they said, well, we have we have no money to give you, and we don't really have any more people. And you know, we're and I was not going to have people working eighty hours a week. We just don't do that kind of thing. Um, but within six months, we were able to quadruple that business uh, be because we were able to leverage what they didn't know they had in terms of manpower. Okay. Did when you um, work with a company, as a question I was going to ask just a few minutes ago, is it uh, once a week that you're with them or are they getting assignments? I mean, what's kind of the basic structure? Yeah, again, it depends. It, it's, it might be once a week. It might be every other week. Uh, that's, that's a pretty common framework. It sort of depends on, uh, you know, how, how soon do you need it? Um, you know, that's speed, speed. I joke about this. Speed is a question of three things. Uh, it's a question of horsepower. It's a question of weight. And it's a question of money. How fast do you want to go? Has, has COVID impacted your business? 
Uh, yeah, it's it's impacted everything. It's uh, for us, it was it's been really fantastic in terms of a case study because our clients have been able to leverage all of this. The the pandemic itself is actually filled with these flow triggers, as I mentioned, and autonomy, for example. People need to to be able to sail their own ships and 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 feel like they can do it really well. Well, everybody's working from home. That gives them a lot of autonomy. So. Um, so it's been really fantastic to watch our clients look at the situation, really not like it, right? Because liking is liking this stuff is not a is not a requirement. Um, asking what can we do with it? Where can we go from here? How can we leverage this? And that's the operative word. We don't really look through the lens of efficiency, productivity. We look through the lens of leverage, input to output ratio. How can we get more with this, right? Now you mentioned your team. You have other people that 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 do this as well. Yes, I have. Uh, I have an associate that I work with, Anna. She's fantastic. Her background's in organizational psychology, so that's really helpful. Um, and then I'll contract with uh, with outside uh, vendors as well, depending on what the engagement looks like. Okay. So I'm I'm not sure if this is a good uh, the right question or a good question, but I'm going to ask it. <laughs> so it it is you kind of experienced and started to pivot and, and getting exposure. Tell me your success story of using Flow. You know, I think I gosh, there's two that I really like. Um, do you want? Uh, all right, I'll tell you. Yeah, tell them both. Man. All right. Well, okay. We're, story, I'll, we're storytelling I'll really, here today. All right, I'll be really quick. So, um, when when I was 19, I had a roommate that was playing uh, college hockey and. I hadn't been on the ice since I was about five years old. I skated for half an hour. I told my mother that it was too cold. I never wanted to do it, do it again. <laughs> and um, But at the time, inline skating was really big. This was, I don't know, mid-90s, late-90s. Um, and uh, and my, my roommate playing hockey was like, man, you skate really good. You should come play ice hockey. And I thought, are you out of your mind? Like that, That's the craziest idea I ever heard. Sure enough, I went with him. He had some extra gear. I went and played a pickup game. I had the best time of my life. And I decided I wanted to play NCAA ice hockey. And now, again, I, I hadn't skated ever really in my life, half an hour when I was five years old. So I fully dedicated myself. I mean, single focus, come hell or high water, this was going to happen. I was going to make that team. I skated every single day for 10 months. The ice rink offered me a job to work part-time for minimum wage because I was there all the time anyway. And I skated. I was working at a pizza place where I would do, uh, I would I would throw some flour and corn cornmeal on the slick floor so I could do puck drills, right? Just start stick handling in the middle of the night, two, three in the morning, right? After the pizza place would close. Um, I skated my ass off and sure enough, I tried out for that team. I made it. We actually went to the state champions that year. Uh, we, we got our asses handed to us to, by San Diego. And, uh, <laughs> but I did end that season. I think, I think I ended that season, uh, first in assists and fourth or fifth in goals or something like that. And this is with, you know, NCAA players that have been playing since they were five years old. So that's the kind of learning that's available when you can get yourself into flow. They say it's 10,000 hours to develop mastery. Right. You right. get into a flow state, you can cut that in half. Nice. Nice. I have one quick hockey story. So I grew, up, I grew up back East and uh, when I was in college and I skated as a kid, I mean, literally I could walk outside and skate down the streets. So it was like, right. <laughs> and and so um, I was in a fraternity and, and one day they, they had a hockey team and they said, look, we're down a guy. Can, you can skate, right? And I said, sure. And they said, well, we need a goalie. Right. <laughs> I, 
I, I, I've never played hockey, but I, I think I could probably stop the puck. Well, it, well, audience, you, this is audio. If you could see, I'm wearing glasses and I wear contacts now. But at the time, I wore glasses 100% of the time. Well, the mask wouldn't fit over my glasses. So I had to take my glasses off. So I literally, wow. everything was fuzzy until about five or six feet in front of me when they were right there ready to shoot. And let's just say we got killed. <laughs> um, and that was my only uh, only experience playing hockey. I'm lucky I didn't come out really damaged, but uh, uh, it, it was uh, it was an experience for sure. And so uh, I, I want to backtrack just a little bit and then we're going to come back. But I want to talk about your business a little bit. And and I ask these questions. They're kind of some consistent questions I like to ask my guests. So when it comes to growing your business, what keeps you up at night? Nothing. <laughs> I mean, really? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> I, yeah, I there's I, I, there's really nothing that keeps me up, and I know that sounds like maybe it's a cop out answer. Uh, the reality is, I sleep great, uh, and 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 it, it's actually necessary. You know, so many people when they have a lot to do, the first thing that they will cut back on is sleep. The same way, like in a you know, the economy takes a dip, the first thing people cut back on is marketing. That's yeah. the last thing you should cut back on when the economy takes a dip. And amen, same, brother, amen. Right, and 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 when you are super busy and super hectic, that's when you double down on sleep. You make it non-negotiable because everything is about leverage, including your body, including your biorhythms, what we call your circadian rhythms. Like we can optimize you, but you cannot drive a race car if you're not going to put any alcohol in the tank, you know? Yeah. Well, that's a great point. I, I know that, um, you know, people say, oh, I, I can get by on five hours sleep or five and a half hours sleep. I'm about six and a half, maybe seven. Um, I tend to stay up late and then get up, you know, somewhere between six and six thirty, and I can do that for about six or seven days, and then I, then I'm on the floor taking a nap. But um, mm -hmm. and I sleep well, no, no matter what. I'm just like you. I, I go to bed and I just fall asleep. I don't have restless nights. Mm -hmm. What is the yeah. best? Go ahead. I, I was going to say, you know, get that that sleep is the equivalent of getting, you know, if, if, if you're not getting enough sleep and, and not just enough sleep, but quality sleep, you know, if you're getting interrupted in the night or something that that's like waking up and smashing a beer first thing in the morning, you know, smash a beer or two and then go to work. That's that's what happens when you're not sleeping. And there's plenty of data on this. I mean, you don't need me for this stuff. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, what's the best business advice you've ever received? Wow, that's a great question. Um, I'd say stay in alignment. Um, make sure that who you're working for, whether it's a big corporation or, or a small mom and pop, that what they're doing really aligns with who you are and and your own value system. Um, you know, I learned way back when, you know, when I was repping tech products, like I, I never wanted to rep a product I didn't believe in. And so I, I think that's, you know, you know, to thine own self be true, right? Uh, and, and you know what? And I agree with that. I, I can't even tell you how much I agree with that. I, I spent eight months working for an organization. And and as I got into it, in the as the time went on, I realized that they were hurting my personal integrity and the things that they did to the point where it was a great gig. I mean, but made a lot of money, fractional job. But I found myself driving there going, geez, I hate going into the office now. And, and I was like, I'm a part-time guy. I can quit whenever I want. But but they really stomped on what I consider 
a core value of, of the company has to have integrity. The people have to have integrity, have to treat their employees the right way. And, and so, you know, that, 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 that ended that for me. It's, it's interesting when I was, you know, I, I, I have this graph that I played with. It says um, uh, age and tolerance, I guess is the word I'm looking for. You know, when you're younger, you have a higher tolerance for stuff. And as you get older, it's like, yeah, screw that bullshit. I'm just not going to deal with it anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, so that's the best business advice you've ever received. What's the best business advice you've ever given? Uh, none of the above. I, uh, I'm not in the advice business. My job is to get clients to give to, to for get them to give them their advice. Um, the, from my framework, you, you have every answer to every question you will ever be presented with in your head somewhere. And so if a client comes to me and says, Chris, I don't know what to do about this. What I hear is, Chris, I don't have access to my wisdom, to my knowledge, my inner knowing. So I don't have to seek the answer and I don't have to give them my answer. What I need to do is I need to seek and remove the barrier that is stopping them from their answer. Once we do that, we can support them through executing whatever it is they discover. You know, okay. I, I, you know, I, I, the, the way I've heard it phrased is, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell you what to see, but I'm going to show you where to look and then I'll help you relate to what you find. Um, one more question in this series. If your journey was a book, what would the title be? renegotiate your existence. Okay. Like renegotiate that. your existence because that's exactly what I did. Uh, you know, I, I had, I, I would say that I had a dysfunctional childhood, but that implies there's another kind. So I, I, I uh, but I did, I, I did get to a couple of points in my life where I, I chose, I had the opportunity and, and the background and the ability to decode and recode my entire, my entire system. And and in doing so, it changed everything in my reality. Your your existence is negotiable, and what you want it to be, y you can create that. I, yeah, I you know I, I I tell people all the time. I mean, nobody when people say, "Oh, he made me feel bad," or "She made me feel bad," like <laughs> nobody can make you do that. Nobody that, makes you, you feel. That, yeah, that's up to you and how you want to interpret that. And and so uh, you know, I'm a I'm a believer. I I, I can't say I I have done what you're describing today. But I mean, there's been times when I've had to step back and, and really break it down, deconstruct everything I was doing to determine how to move forward. Otherwise, you just overwhelmed. I mean, right now, my desk is if you could see this way on my desk, it's it's just piles and piles. And I'm feeling that I need to deconstruct or just w sweep it all into the basket. I figure if it's important, somebody will contact me. <laughs> That's certainly one way to do it. Yeah, exactly. What um. And we touched on this, but I want to I want to go back and revisit it. And let's talk about you know the real benefits that that your clients get from this. I, I tell you, they there's such an up level in the way that they feel and the way that they experience their world. Um, the speed at which they recover from you know freak out or hiccups uh, is uh, exponential. I have a client right now. He's uh, he's a business owner. He's in the food service business, and you can imagine what the what the pandemic's done to him. Yeah. Um, except for that, he and I had been working together for about a year and a half, actually, uh, by this point, and he was able to build a bridge, to build a bridge, to build a bridge. He was able to innovate, innovate, innovate. He hasn't had to, he hasn't had to fire a single person and his revenue stream has maintained stable. And so that's, that's pretty impressive in an industry that's been really decimated by the pandemic. And a big part of it is his ability to look at what's happening, have his moment of freak out 
and then go, okay, and realign himself. And um, it, it's really in, incredible. His, his ability to realign himself is just spectacular in terms of watching him do it. Um, and, and he's been completely different. So the, the benefits are whatever it is you're, you're suffering from, you can fix that. Whatever it is that you are lacking, you can have, you know, it's just the, the benefits are very personal. Um, you know, like I said, what, what do you want and when do you want it? When you start um, working with somebody, do you, do you have to how, kind of exploratory work do you, do you have to do to really get them to in you to lay the program and, and for them to see it? Because, you know, I could say I'm overwhelmed. I got too much stuff going on and fix it. Well, that's that's pretty generic and you've probably heard it a thousand times. So how do you kind of dig down into into do me, do me, do me? <laughs> how do you dig down and, and really, really understand where my real problems are? Well, I, I, I can hear it in the language. That's where a lot of it comes up. How steeped are they in victim mentality? How how accountable are they for their experience? Like, you know, do they say they made me mad? That kind of stuff. So I listen for speech patterns and I have them tell me stories, um, you know, and, and, and they don't have to be any necessarily anything that is super heavy or emotionally taxing or whatever. Just tell me a story. Now tell me another story. Tell me another story. If I give you 20 minutes and truly safe space where you know that I'm not going to judge you. I'm not going to get mad at you. I'm not going to shame you for it. Where there's no fear and there's no sh shame and no judgment, you're going to tell me everything I need to know because I'm going to be able to see the patterns that, that emerge just based on the way you frame things. And, and I, I start to understand very quickly, how is this person relating to their world? And as I start to make analogies and start to extrapolate from that and get more information, the, the, the neural net, if you will, becomes very clear in, in a relatively short amount of time. So it's just a function of how willing are they to share that kind of information in service to getting what they want. Okay. Do you find consistency? Now, I do a lot of market research and, and we find that after a certain number of interviews, for example, you start to see patterns, they start to shape up, you start to hear consistencies with the issues in a say a particular vertical do you do you find that that in talking to 10 people 10 prospects if you will or 10 customers that their problems tend to take on similar patterns or is everybody truly unique well, I, I'd say the, the problems themselves are, are all pretty standard, right? We all have the same kinds of business problems, I think. You know, business is business and it operates in a certain way. And so we're going to see the kinds of, the same kinds of things show up. How they relate to those problems is really, you know, where, where the juice is, so to speak. So um, I do see some differences in, um, you know, in the reasons people come to me between men and women, for example, between uh, different size companies. So they, you know, we're going to take different roads. We're, we're typically going to end up at the same place, though. And, um, and that's really essentially my job is that I'm not, I'm not taking clients anywhere specific. They're, they're taking me. I'm just the one that knows how to navigate whatever road they choose to go down. Okay. All right. That, that, that's clear. Let's um, give me some, uh, I, I'll frame it. You pick it. Do's and don'ts or tips and tricks or tools that, that an individual can, can take away from this conversation that help them get some clarity and maybe determine the clarity that they need to pick up the phone and call you. But what are just some, again, three, five, whatever you want to give that, that someone can, listening to this today can say, man, I, I can see how this could help, or frankly, that did help, or 
you know, whatever, throw me a lifeline. You know, I, I would say that the, um, I mean, if you're looking for actionable tools, but you know, everything in our work is actionable. Here's something you can do right now to help yourself. You know, you give me four minutes of your morning, five days a week for two weeks, I'll change your life. And that is through meditation. Um, you know, and, and meditation is, I mean, number one, it actually makes your brain bigger. I mean, physiologically, um, it shifts your neurochemistry. And, and I won't go too far down this rabbit hole, um, but, but a lot of the work that we do is all about driving neurochemistry. Flow states in particular is a product of driving neurochemistry in a very specific way. So, um, so a couple things, you know, meditation is great. Journaling is great um, because meditation and both of these are great for awareness. And we really need the awareness because without awareness, there's no choice. Um, and, and I think the other thing is stop listening to yourself and start talking to yourself. When you stop listening to yourself and you start talking to yourself, you are very likely to find that the script changes dramatically. When you're listening to yourself, it's, I suck, I'm not good at this, I can't do it. When you're talking to yourself, it's very hard to consciously tell yourself that you're shitty. And the reason that this is important is that it drives neurochemistry. So you will literally have a neurochemical effect by changing how you talk to yourself. Okay. So let me, let me ask follow-up question on that. I mean, if, give me, give me a, give me a quick script. What do I say to myself every day? I don't know. What do you say to yourself every day? <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. You know, it's like I, I have, and, and, and I'm, I look at when I'm overwhelmed or, you know, I try never to go to the woe is me, me route because okay. it, it gets you nowhere. And so I do talk about, you know, for me, I speak out loud and I, you know, here's my list. Here's my crap all over my desk. So I'll spend time organizing it, getting it in list, prioritizing that list. And that'll last for a week and then it's a mess again and I got to do it over. So, so I'm, I'm constantly talking out loud about next steps, things I need to do, areas that I need to take care of. So I just don't sit here and kind of get in my head, I think is where you're going at. I'm sitting kind of spinning in my own brain and feeling overwhelmed by all this stuff versus taking action. That well, yeah, I, I mean, I think overwhelm is a function of um, lack of clarity and in terms of what really moves the needle. We have a lot of, we do a lot of work around prioritization and we have a lot of ways we can look at prioritization. Um, because again, most of the stuff that uh, I see a lot of executives that, you know, I'll say, look, let me see your, let me see your task list for today or whatever you got. And 60% of it is shit. Like it just, it does not move the needle. And so what of these things really makes an impact? Um, and that's, you know, where is the leverage in here? Uh, one, of, one of my favorite places in an organization to start looking for leverage is in meetings. You know, how can I, how can I take this one meeting and use it to delete three other meetings this week? You know, how can I make sure that this meeting solves emails instead of creates more, mm -hmm. right? That's leverage. Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I, this uh, company I was talking about where the kind of the integrity thing, I remember the first time I went to a meeting, there was about 30 people in this meeting. CEO was running it and two people in, she started berating one of the people and then drilling down why he hadn't accomplished this. And we spent three hours in this meeting. And at the end, because, because my job was to counsel her, I said, you know, you could have solved this very simply by saying, you know, Bob, you, Bill, and Susie get together after this meeting, solve the issue, and then report. Where she wanted 
put all these people on the spot trying to get them to resolve something they hadn't done if they hadn't done it. I mean, it you would have had a field day. I mean, I, I wish I'd known you, man. You would have had a field day at this organization. It was, I could tell you stories that that it, it was just crazy. Well, so, you um, know, it's uh, it, I, I ask clients this: do you do you want to be effective or do you want to be right? You know, do you do you want do you want what you want or do you want to be right? Do you want to be happy or do you want to be right? You know, because the ego gets in the way. And, you know, I, I had the good fortune of spending some time with Gene Kranz, who was a flight director at NASA during the Apollo and Gemini space missions, you know, Apollo 13 included. And, you know, Gene would talk about how we didn't have time for who was right or wrong, you know, like who gives a shit? This is what I like to call academic masturbation, right? It just doesn't matter. We got a problem to solve. Let's solve it. So, um, we're kind of coming to a closer. This has been actually a fascinating conversation. I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have, and my listeners are going to benefit from it. But here's my last question to you. What inspires you? What what gets you out of bed every morning? Wow. That's a long list. <laughs> right. I we love, got a little more time. Go ahead. I, I love my life, Angelo. I love my life. I mean, I, um, I'm very... Um, I'd say blessed in terms of the the people in my life. Uh, you know, my my fiance. I've I've got three teenagers that are not biologically mine. That's you know from a former relationship, and, and I'm just I love them to death. Uh, my my family is incredible. And, um, you know, as as dysfunctional as we are, you know. <laughs> so, but uh, I I tell you what, I love this little organization that I have, and I love what we're doing in the world and I love why we're doing it and I I see the potential for the impact that this can make in terms of shifting um, how the world operates and I know that sounds kind of grandiose um, but if you're not thinking grandiose you're probably not thinking big enough I think mm -hmm. the the problems that we're dealing with in the world today those aren't the problems those are the results right and it's the results of a systemic problem and um, and, and I think our I think our world is quite a bit out of balance. I think we need more of the feminine guiding the planet. I think we need more of the feminine in charge of countries and companies and organizations and positions of influence. And I think if we can balance that out so that we have a, an equal number of the masculine and feminine, I, I think that the, the systemic problems will be solved because frankly, I don't think the feminine would tolerate some of the shit that we've been doing over the last few thousand years. So, um, so that's a big part of why we do what we do is um, because I think that we can uh, we can make a better we can make a better world for everybody. Well, and I love that and change lives. And I, I I definitely can see how this this can have an impact on a lot of different people. So thank you for sharing all of this. So, Chris, tell the listeners how they can contact you, your website, your LinkedIn, all that good stuff. Thank you. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you can go to statusflow.net and, and I encourage people to do that because the website is shit and, uh, and I have a marketing team that's working on a new one. So I want, I want everybody to go see how bad it is right now so they can see how good it is in about what, four weeks or something. <laughs> so, um, you can, uh, on my Instagram is, uh, Chris Mike King, C H R I S M I K E K I N G. And the same is true as on Twitter. And, uh, or you can email me, uh, velocity at statusflow.net. All right. Well, thank you, Chris. Really appreciate it. And thank you for joining us at the cafe today. If your business needs a CMO or a senior level marketer, but you're not quite ready for a full-time person yet, connect with me to find out more about my fractional interim and consulting services or visit theponzagroup.com and you can find a variety of resources there, blogs, videos, eBooks, blah, 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 or connect with me on LinkedIn for sure. 
And lastly, if you're a subscriber to this show, thank you very much. And if you are, please let others know about this show so they can benefit from the great content like we heard here with Chris today. You can go to thebusinessgrowthcafe.com or subscribe on any podcast platform you like to listen to. And don't forget to join me next week here at the Business Growth Cafe. Chris, thank you so much. Thank you. Grateful to be here. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.